Welcome to Writers on the Beat, where crime writers meet crime fighters. I'm your host, Gavin Reese. Every episode of this podcast will bring in a variety of experts to help writers of all genres incorporate more authentic cops, crime, and criminals in their stories. Sitting across the interrogation room from me today are two renowned international bestsellers, Ed Fuller and Gary Grossman, and they recently co-authored a new geopolitical thriller. Set for release on March 19th, the book is called Red Hotel, and takes readers across the globe for a realistic ride-along as its protagonist, Dan Riley, tries to get ahead of global terror threats. Prior to this effort, Gary earned multiple Emmys in television production and wrote a best-selling series of international political thrillers. He's penned two non-fiction books, has worked for NBC News and the Boston Herald American, and is a member of the International Thriller Writers Association and the Military Writers Society of America. Ed is the best-selling nonfiction author of You Can't Lead With Your Feet on the Desk, a fantastic title. He serves as president of a global business consulting consortium and as a director of the Federal Bureau of Investigators National Academy Associates Foundation. He spent 40 years with Marriott, 22 of which were as president and managing director of Marriott International. During that tenure, he oversaw the creation of that firm's global security strategy. Additionally, Ed served in the U.S. Army as a captain and earned commendation medals and a bronze star. All that said, Ed and Gary, welcome to Writers on the Beat. Thanks so much for joining me today. Glad to be Thank with you. Thank you. Great to be here with you, too. Thank you. So, first off, I, I'm really enjoying reading this collaboration, Red Hotel. It's, to me, um, a pretty unique perspective on... Um, what is a very popular genre. Uh, can you give the audience a glimpse of the story and its plot? Gary? Well, okay, thank you. <clears throat> Thanks, Ed. Um, well, Red Hotel is principally about uh, real and present dangers, uh, threats to soft targets around the world, many of them American-owned. And it begins with an attack on uh, an American-owned hotel in Tokyo. Uh, it the investigation begins by a character named Dan Riley, based a great deal, and Ed can get into it, uh, and on his experiences as president of Marriott International. And the investigation actually leads through the book to the understanding of a Russian conspiracy, um, ultimately plotted by, for many years, by the Russian president to regain the strength that Russia had under the Soviet years and principally to uh, reacquire the satellite nations, the old Eastern Bloc nations, uh, many of which are now in NATO. That, of course, is a very real possibility yes. and it's a real thing that's happening. And the book climaxes uh, once again, as it did in the beginning, and I'm not, no spoiler alert here, uh, but in a hotel as it all comes together over what the fate of NATO will be. And uh, as we like to say, it's cut from um, the news that is happening today, the news that could be happening tomorrow, or the news that will likely be happening uh, just around the block. Yeah, with a slight change in tone and point of view, I, I'm personally afraid that this could become a narrative nonfiction history in the very near future. Um, obviously, inspired by you know, real events, real you know, foreign leadership, and and real possibilities. Uh, but how did you two go about collaborating and putting this uh, all these pieces of the puzzle together? 
Well, Ed, you want to take that? When, mm -hmm. Yeah, when you think about it, um, we started this, Gary, almost two years ago. Correct. And we, keep, we kept looking at each other and saying, you know, reality is just keeping this story moving. Mm -hmm. So a lot of our assumptions were made before some of the actions were taken, yet you could pretty much assume the direction of Russia and, and its frustration with losing the empire. So uh, putting that story together had a lot of reality. And what Gary and I did, and I'll defer later to Gary telling you about how we got together, but what Gary and I have been able to do is take real life situations that I dealt with in the business world and uh, build them into a story set in this environment that we were just talking about. At the same time, the characters, when we initially wrote it, we used real names and obviously changed the names uh, when it was time to publish. Yeah, potentially, if uh, I'm just going to guess, a, I don't know, a, a certain Russian leader, uh, maybe a president. Um, <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. So in in uh, in adding, it's kind of been touched on a little bit in your experience with with Marriott, and specifically, I'm I'm really intrigued with your involvement in the global security strategy for that corporation. Um, in I, I have a, a a small piece of only somewhat analogous experience working with um, some groups of. Uh, public and private stakeholders and trying to convince folks um, who are not in law enforcement, not in threat analysis, not in, you know, intelligence, uh, trying to get them to devote time and effort and resources and money, capital, people, to getting ahead of threats when we don't have a known or specific threat. And I know how how frustrating and hard that conversation is to convince people you know, everything today is peaceful, everything is great, but all this is looming on the horizon. We need to be prepared in advance. Um, I tell you all that to, to bring this up. There's a, a conversation pretty early on in Red Hotel between uh, the care protagonist, Dan Riley, and his CEO. And he's talking to the CEO about the need to uh, create something, I imagine, this kind of the global security strategy to better protect their people and their assets ahead of a threat. The conversation of the book obviously goes very quickly, but I imagine the reality of getting this started with Marriott was much longer. Can you kind of talk to us about the reality of how that happened? Well, the reality of the situation was that um, in virtually my first few weeks of my job uh, running the international group, which in essence was only 16 hotels when we started, Wow. And we had just taken over the Mexican units, and we had an incident in Mexico uh, which involved our entire executive committee being kidnapped. So this was 1990. Oh, we wow. did not have a crisis system. The international division was about three months old, and it brought to my attention that mm -hmm. we sincerely needed a plan to deal with crises we yes. might run into outside of the United States. And that we had to apply different approaches in a global world mm -hmm. that we could not use in a uh, domestic environment, being the uh, sure. United States. Over the years, uh, there, we operated with two crisis committees, the international and the domestic. <laughs> 
because we did have uh, the hurricanes in New Orleans and we had some bombing incidents mm -hmm. around the country. But overseas, we were faced with just a myriad of challenges from kidnappings to tsunamis to mm -hmm. uh, bombings. And our job was to try to make the hotel so safe that uh, people, companies could feel mm -hmm. comfortable putting their executives, visitors, and the like into those hotels. Absolutely. So the creation of the crisis system that's described in the book was a reality. And, you know, going to be very different from a typical <coughs> management team with, with a government agency. You know, your priorities are different, your goals are different, the rules are different, the, you know, the, uh, the obligations are different. And, you know, from a, uh, that also gives you, I think, a, a lot more leeway on the civilian and the corporate side to be able to be more flexible and achieve different end goals than, than people would imagine with a, a government crisis team. Absolutely. And frankly, we dealt with evacuations in Libya and we wow. dealt with so the uh, takeover in Egypt uh, by, at the time of the Arab Spring. And we had 4,000 employees there in seven hotels, and we were deeply involved in that. And some of those things appear in the book later and in the second book, which Gary's working diligent with, diligently with me on. Well, I'm, I'm, you're going to make me jump all over my note sheet here because that was going to be toward, toward my end question. Here. I'm going to save that one because I, I'm, I'm going to keep my own appetite with it. Um, but Gary, th this uh, Red Hotel, this is an incredible page turner, and it is um, a really well-written story from what I think is a very original protagonist point of view. And I imagine, no offense to you, Ed, but I, I imagine, Gary, I see a lot of your fingerprints in the crafting of this story. Um, I also know that co-authoring is a very tough thing to do, and very, folks can, very few folks can do it well. What was the division of labor like for you guys in putting Red Hotel together, and where did your own experiences and expertise come into play? Well, thank you. Um, it's been a great collaboration. It's been from the very, very beginning, largely because uh, Ed is a storyteller because he has stories to tell. Yes. Uh, he's been there. He's the real deal. He's He's been in the field. He's made critical decisions. He's had to negotiate with cartels uh, for the safety of his own staff. He's had to move quickly and efficiently. I think to some extent, uh, and Ed, you and I haven't talked about this, but uh, I've talked to people in the Navy and they, they often say, you know, how do you move uh, an aircraft carrier and all the ships that are around it? Uh, well, it, it takes planning in advance because it doesn't move quickly. It takes a lot of effort. And the planning in advance for Ed was certainly to uh, establish the uh, color code system that was threat assessments. And the more we got together and we, we get together every few weeks to collaborate, the more stories I hear, and Ed's always <laughs> saying, oh, well, wait, we'll hold that story for the third book. Yeah, and and it's just it's jaw dropping because yeah. so much of it has to come from Ed's early experience um, in in the army as well mm -hmm. and in Vietnam, sure. but it also comes from being a leader. The name of his book, uh, his nonfiction book, it, it it certainly is no accident that really the way Ed um, works globally and always has is that you really can't. Uh, 
uh, lead with your feet on the desk. You have to get out there in the field. So how we divide uh, our efforts, um, we talk, uh, and it's not so much an interview, but it's ongoing conversations. Uh, I worked on an outline, uh, come back to Ed, and then we work on, we revise the outline, and then I go off and do some writing, and I come back, and Ed and I go over it, and then it's back and forth, back and forth. Mm -hmm. um, and often what happens is that a conversation, even while we're way deep in the book, a conversation will have us create a character earlier that uh, sure. can help drive the action. So I must say it's the greatest collaboration uh, imaginable. And, uh, and for me, and I come out of journalism, uh, newspaper reporters, you mentioned television news and documentary films, um, sitting down and talking with Ed, uh, it, it, it's like a, a, an opening into a world that I don't have to invent as a writer uh, out of whole cloth. I just have to write a lot down and, and follow what Ed's exploits were. Yes. Um, and uh, it, it makes me feel very comfortable, I must say, that it's there are like people cheating, like right? Ed in the international yeah. business. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so it's been a great collaboration, and as Ed mentioned, we're well into uh, the sequel. Fantastic. So I'm, since it's come up a couple times, I'm going to go ahead and jump to the end of this because the uh, or to, to my intended last question, um, the way that this whole thing comes together, the way that this this book is written, it it leaves me as a reader wanting this to be a series, and it sounds like it's going to be. So I'm I'm really excited about that. But it, 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 it totally felt to me like at the end of this that Dan Riley is going to be able to almost go off and you guys are almost going to be able to create this like Brad Taylor style task force group where you can combine some government intelligence, some private funding, some cover story and do some really fantastic work. Is anything like that coming for Dan Riley? Well, absolutely. And, uh, and, um, Again, it's uh, things that we've talked about, uh, especially in relation to the second book. And I'll, I'll just kind of look at uh, history. Um, uh, Putin uh, took Crimea. Um, yes. Would that be the end of a story about Ukraine? Absolutely oh, not. No. And likewise, if, if there's an attempt, another attempt to, uh, as he's tiptoeing uh, into and around and threatening Ukraine now, um, what could he be doing um, to Latvia, uh, Lithuania, Estonia? Um, and just because our story ended with one crisis over, that doesn't mean that um, the threats are not out there and that they're not about to happen tomorrow or next week or, um, you know, just around the corner. So that's where the story is going to go. And, um, you know, we have uh, in Russia with Putin and with uh, our uh, fictionalized character, uh, Nikolai Gorshkov, uh, mm -hmm. an empire building despot. And, um, you know, what's the old expression? At first, you don't succeed. <laughs> try, try well, again. <laughs> he's going to try again. Yes. Yeah. Hard, hard to imagine that he wouldn't be satisfied. Um, oh, with uh, Ed. 
with um, hotels, uh, especially those popular with international tourists or with Western ownership being such notorious soft targets for all manner of terrorist, all manner of political agendas. Uh, once travelers have accepted the risk of stepping out their own front door, how can they best go about mitigating the risk of international travel and still get to enjoy the amenities and comforts of hotels like Marriott? Well, uh, let me take it in two groupings. So the business travelers who are often the core of uh, international hotels, especially in emerging countries, um, their companies usually evaluate hotels for their security and safety. There are actually mm -hmm. teams that come out from the companies to do that. And wow. so we're highly ranked because of our systems and procedures. And quite frankly, the industry as a whole has, I'd like to think, followed uh, our lead by the people that uh, have followed me and the like. And so from a perspective of a business person going to certain cities in India, the Middle East, uh, and certain key cities in Asia, they're very comfortable to be in our hotels now because we've gone to such lengths to uh, put these security systems in. Companies evaluate our hotels, and in three cases, we know from the authorities that we were, uh, we were surveyed by the individuals that ultimately attacked other facilities, mm -hmm. and they chose not to because of the uh, security procedures that were followed under our red level. So uh, the business people have that. Now, visitors uh, who are not as in controlled environments, companies protecting them and the like, mm -hmm. have to understand the countries they're visiting. And the State yes. Department puts out significantly good information uh, about traveling public situations. So uh, if you're going to travel, it's always good to know the country you're going to, understand the risks, and if you still want to travel to these areas, and some people do, for the exotic nature. <laughs> A guard uh, dog. Want, yes. well, that's, that's one of those guard dogs. Hired yes. Uh, if you understand the exotic nature of the environment mm -hmm. that you're going into, then you have to follow a couple of key procedures. Number one, you've got to make sure that you have notified people where you're going. Constantly keep them aware of where you are. Work with the hotel to keep in mind that they are also conscious of where you are. And also make sure you know what objectives you have for that visit and that you check out the environment you're going into. Those are three key areas, but the most important is to keep in touch with the American Embassy. Yes. Yeah, I'm surprised at the number of folks, regardless, you know, whether it's just, you know, hiking out in the wilderness or going to a foreign country and where you know nothing and know no one, the number of people that, you know, in, in my world would refer to it as, as walking around HUA, just head up ass that, you know, not really paying attention to the to the environment or the people around you or any kind of threat assessment. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a jungle out there. Um, 
one of the focal points of this book um, is working toward a public-private intelligence sharing network between the government intelligence agencies and corporations with vested interest in the security of their assets and of the American people. Um, in your perfect world, gentlemen, how would corporations and government go about sharing that type of information and how much of in the book is based on reality, how much of it's fiction? Let me just start with one quick thing, just to let you know, when I first met Ed, uh, and after he told me about uh, getting staff and uh, American tourists mm -hmm. to, stay, to safety after the uh, fall of Gaddafi and, uh, and Mubarak's fall in Cairo, wow. and uh, how he had dealt with uh, negotiating with cartels and with the Chinese government and in Europe, my first question to him really was, uh, who do you have on speed dial? Yes. Uh, yes. And when I learned, uh, I realized, and it gets to your question, that um, in Ed's business, in Ed's world, it was absolutely important that he did have contacts yes. in the intelligence community. And I'll let Ed pick up from there. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> couple areas, so. Excuse me. Um, our team had relationships with several government agencies, some with three-letter identities, mm -hmm. but uh, worked directly with them. And our head of security served on a State Department uh, board that exists today, which studies uh, security operations in a global environment. They also had uh, an opportunity when you work with them to give you highlights of what's going on in those markets. So you often called for information before you stepped in. Mm -hmm. and, and quite frankly, as we were going into Asia, we even worked with uh, the British Intelligence Service to have an understanding of what the triads represented before we moved into China and Macau. Sure. So that cooperation was existed uh, on an ongoing basis. We, to operate our check and balance system of the security levels, had two analysts on, on a 24-hour basis, one in Hong Kong and one in uh, Washington, who constantly were reviewing various government and private sources identifying if anything was going on globally that might impact our hotels, which would guide us to either raising or lowering the security in those cities. Those systems still exist, and I suspect other companies are using it. But the cooperation is essential, and uh, it continues to be. And at one given point, I was invited along with uh, Alan Orblob, my uh, head of security, uh, to go to a conference run by the military mm -hmm. uh, who basically said, hey, look, we've got a challenge here. Uh, we no longer have clear lines between the good guys and the bad guys. Sure. And now our issue is what is the American responsibility in a country mm -hmm where there is no American forces to protect our citizens. So that, that particular wow. piece of a full two-day scenario gave 
corporations and the military system a chance to talk about who had what obligations and where. Yeah, that's a really important philosophical discussion, and, and you know, in advance of those things having to happen, that greatly expedites the actual response. So, in, in out of respect for, uh, for you gentlemen's time, I'm going to get to the really tough questions here. Um, Gary, uh, who's your favorite fictional detective in your favorite crime show? Oh, gosh. Um, well, oh, that's a great question. I'll start with... Um, I, I love Tom Clancy's work over the yes. years. Uh, and that's one of the reasons I jumped into writing. And happily, I was uh, initially discovered by a publisher uh, who had first found Tom Clancy. So, so I, wow. you know, I miss, I miss Tom Clancy. I miss his yes. original writing. Uh, but uh, I grew up in a home where my dad was in law enforcement and my mother was in politics. So early on, I was reading political thrillers. I was mm -hmm. reading political thrillers like Seven Days in May, um, which is a book that still holds up, even though it was written in the early 60s. Timeless, um, in, in terms of, uh, I just watched The Bodyguard, which was an excellent British series. Mm -hmm. I've heard um, it's great. Involving, yeah. It really is. I recommend that. Uh, John Le Carré was great, and the adaptation is great, and the adaptation of The Night Manager was wonderful. I must say, uh, I do and have always loved James Bond, mm -hmm. and uh, we have a connection uh, to James Bond uh, with Red Hotel because I met Ed while walking, uh, as a result of walking my dog one evening, bumping into a neighbor, Bruce Fierstein, who wrote the first three Pierce Brosnan James Bond movies. Wow. And he said he's on a board at Boston University with this wonderful man named Ed Fuller, former president of Marriott International. He's uh, interested in having uh, his exploits really turned into a novel with a collaborator. You should meet with him. I met with him. And uh, I thank Bruce and James Bond and Boston <laughs> University Connections Absolutely. for bringing us together. It took a, a whole series of effort to make this thing happen. It um, did. <laughs> so Ed, what would you like readers to take away from Red Hotel? I think a sense, number one, of the adventure and the excitement. Uh, the fact is most people do not understand that hotels – are often the center of more activity and um, intrigue than most people think. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, uh, as GMs, we never write a tell-all on hotels, but uh, this is not a tell-all. Uh, this is dealing with one aspect of security in the hotels. And the hotel industry today is a very exciting industry. So for one respect, I want the people to enjoy the book because Gary's ability to glue the stories together into a great thriller uh, is something that I think people will enjoy. I also want people to think about their safety as they're traveling. Certainly. Uh, as much as I am a big proponent of globalization, um, when we, when I started with that international division in 90, less than 15% of the population had passports. Wow. And today, because of 9-11, 
uh, and requiring passports for Canada, Mexico, and the Caribbean, it's now 25%. And I wish more people would get out and mm -hmm. meet people in a global environment. This is not to discourage them. This is no. simply stated one that gives them something to think about. Yeah, I, I believe travel is really important for, for us to have a, a perspective on our place in the world and our impact on it, but also there's so much commonality regardless of the differences of culture in, in humanity. You know, we generally across the world, we all want the same things for our families. We all want the same things for our environment. And I think, you know, there's more, we have more in common than we do differences and travel really makes that uh, a realization, I think. Um, I think it makes a big difference. Yes. Yeah. So where where can readers connect with you guys? Where can they find your, your book? Well, we have a wonderful website, uh, redhotel.com. So that's www.redhotel.com. Uh, the book is available on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, uh, print, ebook, and uh, audible editions also bookstores around the country, uh, hard to find sometimes some uh, brick and mortar bookstores, uh, mm -hmm. but uh, they're out there and uh, Red Hotel goes on sale March 19th and happily we've been getting great reviews and an interview like yours, uh, Gavin, helps so much because uh, as you opened with, it's really a narrative that could be nonfiction, mm -hmm. but yes. But we wrap it up in a, I think, an exciting, uh, fictionalized, globe-hopping story. I, I really hope it stays fiction. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Uh, I, fear, I fear not, but I, I, I hope it does. Uh, I want to uh, uh, thank, again, my guests for coming in, international best-selling authors, Ed Fuller and Gary Grossman, for joining me today. Their upcoming thriller, Red Hotel, releases on March 19th and is now available to pre-order. You've been listening to Writers on the Beat, a proud part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm your host, Gavin Reese. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Be safe out there.